HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit internationalculinarycenter.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage Radio Network. You are listening to The Farm Report, and I'm your host, Darren Fairbanks. We are coming to you live, as always, from the back of Roberta's Pizza in beautiful Bushwick, Brooklyn. And today we're going to learn a little bit about how New York City's green markets are getting some of the best regionally produced foods into the city's grocery stores, bodegas, restaurants, and other retail outlets. We are on the line with um, Olivia Blanchflower of Green Market Co. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Erin. So lovely, lovely to have you on today. I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about what's happening up at Green Market Co. But I, I suppose we should start with just the broad strokes on, on what it is exactly uh, that makes Co. different from the rest of a Green Market. Sure. So um, the Green Market Farmers Market uh, program has been around for just about 40 years now. Um, it's been really successful at connecting New Yorkers to regional producers in a retail setting. So it's enabled um, individuals and households to um, get to know their farmer, purchase directly from their farmer. Um, nationally, we've seen a huge upswing in um, the number of farmers markets that um, exist, but only about 2% of the food that Americans eat is um, is purchased at farmer's markets. The rest of the food that we purchase comes through wholesale channels um, like supermarkets, restaurants, school meals, um, institutions, and things like that. So Green Market Co. is different from the Green Market Farmer's Market program in that it's, um, it's our effort to link more local farmers with the mainstream wholesale food um, system because that has sort of left out a lot of the mid-sized growers who traditionally sold to places like restaurants and supermarkets um, with, uh, you know, the globalization of the food system. Um, mid-sized farmers have been really unable to compete with uh, giant industrial streams of, of farm products. 
but have still been too big to benefit from selling by the piece or by the pound in a retail setting. So Green Market Co. is, um, like I said, it's our effort to bring those farmers back into the picture, enable more New Yorkers to uh, know where their food has come from and, and contribute to a local economy um, by buying from the places that they're used to buying, like grocery stores and uh, corner stores and places like that. So this is a relatively new project. Uh, when did uh, Co get started, and where did some of those initial kind of conversations come from? Sure. Um, uh, Green, uh, Grow NYC has actually been moving food around the city in very small volume since around 2006 when um, we launched our youth market program. Um, that program involved renting U-Haul vans and picking up produce the day of each market from um, farmers who were selling at markets in the city. And that was in an effort to meet the needs of lower-income communities where there was limited access to fresh produce and where there was a demand for that produce um, but not necessarily enough that it could stay in a traditional farmer's market with more than one vendor. Um, so Greed Market had been, or Grow NYC rather, had been doing that for a few years, and over the course of doing that, um, restaurants and corner stores and um, public schools and other people interested in purchasing wholesale um, but didn't have the means to get to a farmer's market to pick up would ask us to throw a box or two of produce on there. Um, so we've sort of been unofficially doing some of this work for a few years, uh, and Green Market Co. is really our first formal foray into the world of wholesale distribution, and we officially launched this project in April of 2012, so just over a year ago. So I'm um, assuming over the past year there's been a lot of kind of lessons learned, and I definitely want to tuck into some of those, but uh, I want to stay focused on kind of when you were first putting the um, program together. How did you identify farmers to work with? Were they farmers that were already part of the green market system? Did you do an open call? And was there a similar kind of um, geographical footprint that you were pulling farmers from within? Um, well, we, we had a good head start. I mean, you know, being involved with the biggest network of farmers markets in the country, you meet a lot of farmers, so that's great. Um, and we had a good head start um, because of our work with youth market because, you know, for the past six or seven years, we had been buying from farmers in wholesale volumes. Um, they weren't necessarily um, – that doesn't necessarily represent all of the farmers that we work with now, but, you know, it was a really good place to start. Um, we began working um, with a lot of the farmers that sell at the wholesale green market in uh, the Hunts Point neighborhood of the Bronx um, and also purchased from some green market farmers who uh, had enough surplus of certain products that they were able to sell them on a wholesale basis. Um, and then, you know, we, we did put out some advertisements. We spoke at conferences. But a lot of it was really word of mouth. Um, a lot of farmers referred us to their neighbors who were better scaled to, um, to supply in wholesale volumes. Um, we talked with cooperative extension agents and, um, and other partners in the agricultural world and um, amassed a pretty decent roster. And today we've worked with um, over 50 farmers in the area, and because of the fact that we are pulling for, um, you know, the farms that we work with tend to be larger, uh, so we pull from a larger region than the green market retail markets, and we are purchasing from farmers 
um, mainly in upstate New York, but we also get product from farmers in northern Jersey, eastern PA, and we even work with a, a, a grain cooperative in Maine. Got it. So what about the other infrastructure? Um, you know, are you guys are, are are located up at Hunts Point? Do they give you a, like a parking space and then the farmers meet up there? Or how um, are you kind of receiving and then redistributing goods? What what kind of uh, facilities or equipment is necessary to kind of smooth the transaction? Well, we are not. Um, we hope one day to be in the Hunts Point neighborhood of the Bronx, not the Hunts Point Terminal Market. Um, currently, we are sharing space with a longtime green market. Um, farmer and ally Red Jacket Orchards out of their space in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. But for our first uh, 15 months, we were co-located with City Harvest at their food rescue facility. Um, They were kind enough to sort of let us incubate our business there um, just as we were getting started. And a lot of food hubs or burgeoning food hubs have sort of taken this route because starting a big venture like this is, um, you know, it was new for us. And we wanted to, to grow slow in, in sort of, um, you know, the kiddie pool way. So it was nice to be in a beautiful state-of-the-art facility like the one that City Harvest has and benefit from, you know, their operation staff and, and learn a little bit about the ways that they move food throughout the city. And then, um, you know, as we grew and needed more space, um, we, we moved into the Red Jacket facility and we're currently looking for um, more space in the South Bronx because we want to be close to the Hunts Point Terminal Market and the, um, you know, the wholesale produce business is really centered in Hunts Point. So you want to be located in that area because, uh, it, I mean, is it more kind of convenient from a transportation format for kind for for farmers coming in or for trucks going out or what are the benefits of being in the same neighborhood as the other produce distributors that are serving the city uh, a lot of our farmers are making deliveries to Hunts Point already um, so it's you know uh, easier for them from a logistics point of view and that translates to you know efficiencies equal cost savings for us um, so that's one major point. And also, I mean, lo- Hunts Point is located, or the terminal market is located in Hunts Point for a reason, and that's because you enjoy pretty easy access to um, the rest of the city. And um, being in, in Long Island City and being in Greenpoint was great, but we found that a lot of trucking companies will, um, the rates for trucking in and out of the South Bronx are less than from other areas of the city. Got it. That makes sense. Now, if I am a, you know, a grocer or a bodega owner, how am I finding out about you guys and, and what is it that, um, you know, you're bringing to the table that other kind of produce vendors aren't? Why am I buying from you? How am I finding out about you? Well, I think what a lot of people really like and appreciate us about us is um, a couple things. I think a big part of it is the transparency um, a lot of uh, distributors are, are realizing the marketing potential for offering local foods, um, but not all of them um, allow for the same transparency of the exact source of the farm, um, the growing methods for that farm. But every item on our availability list has a farm code next to it, um, and you know we provide information about growing methods, the background, maybe the history of the family who's 
um, been producing food on that land. Um, so people are able to pass that information on to their customers. Um, also, I think Green Market is a really trusted brand in the local food world, and um, people feel that um, when we tell them it comes from a farm, they can feel pretty confident that it does. I think also people are um, interested in our mission. Um, the the produce, well, I shouldn't just say produce. It's uh, an, a number of different farm products, but the the sales that we make to um, traditional customers like institutions and restaurants and grocery stores and specialty retailers, the um, the buying power that that represents and the infrastructure that we have uh, really powers our food access programming, um, namely the Youth Market Program, which is a, a network of youth-run farm stands in underserved neighborhoods, and our Fresh Food Box Program, which is a group buying program that allows underserved communities to leverage group buying power in order to purchase high-quality, locally-produced stuff at um, below retail prices. So are, are you finding, like, from, from, from among this kind of landscape of, of buyers, you know, large and small-scale grocers, bodegas, restaurants, that you're um, kind of niching out into certain areas naturally and uh, are, are feeling good about that, or you want to kind of um, look at growing... Um, you know, a more diverse, you know, I'm just wondering like how diverse your clientele is and how you're feeling about that. Um, our, our clientele is actually fairly diverse. Um, when we first launched this thing, we assumed that our programming was going to, or sorry, our clients were going to be pretty much split into thirds, that a third of our programming, um, sorry, a third of our deliveries would be going to our own food access programming um, about a third would be going to restaurants and another third to supermarkets, um, you know, give or take a few percentage points here and there. Um, what we found in our first year was that about a third of our business did go to, uh, to our own food access programs. Um, but then we saw a lot of business in areas that we didn't really expect. Um, one of them was with institutions in the city, namely senior centers. Um, I, I would not have predicted that there would have been such a great response, but um, DIFTA was really great about getting us in early to talk to their um, senior center managers and kitchen managers, um, and we've enjoyed a great relationship uh, with senior centers in the city and other emergency feeding programs like City Meals on Wheels, who's ordered from us very consistently. Um, Lenox Hill Neighborhood House and Project Find are also other senior centers that we've been serving. And it's, it works out very well for us because we, um, we need a bit of a lead time for, uh, in terms of receiving client orders because we don't have enough space to hold an inventory. So whatever we purchase from a farmer is something that's been ordered by a customer. So that is sort of difficult for um, a restaurant or a retailer if you have limited storage space and you're not sure what you will have used up. But if you're a senior center and you're planning your meals months in advance and you know you serve a certain number of people every day um, and you want to make sure that you're, you're meeting um, requirements for, for high nutritional value, then we end up being a really great fit. So that was a really pleasant surprise and um, we're continuing to work with more senior centers and nutrition assistance programs. Um, we work with more every day, and um, it's, it's been a great 
relationship to explore. Interesting. So, well, I want to tuck into that a little bit, what you said, so regarding the ordering process. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you guys are not holding an inventory, if, if I'm a client looking to purchase from you, how do I know, you know, what's, I have a couple of questions, I guess. How do I know, like, what's available? And then if I'm the farmer, how am I kind of planning what percentage of the sales from my farm are going to go through you if, um, you know, if you're not kind of committing to some type of, uh, you know, contract or it's on a weekly or daily or monthly basis? Can you break down that kind of uh, selling buying arrangement a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this being a new program, we were approaching a lot of farmers. You know, we didn't have data saying we will buy X from you every single week um, because, you know, we're still we're still changing quite a bit. Um, so we were working mostly with farmers who, you know, they're wholesalers. They um, are producing in large quantities, and the items that we are buying from them um, – don't represent such a huge portion of their business that they would need to know really far in advance. Um, we have a procurement manager who works on the supply end of things and a sales manager who works with our clients. Um, the procurement manager gathers uh, availability information from the farmers saying, you know, what will you have this week? And then we compile an availability list, uh, which is then sent out to our clients. Clients order off of that availability list and then based on the client orders, we place an order with the farmers. So, um, as I said, that can be challenging for some business models where, you know, people have limited storage space or they're not sure what they will have used by the time the food actually gets to them. But on the flip side, um, it also means that, you know, there's an assurance that whatever people are getting hasn't been sitting in our warehouse um, and that they're getting the freshest stuff possible because it was ordered from the farmer specifically for them. Excellent. That makes sense. We are going to take just a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the the money end of things, the financing for getting the project started, and then how you remain competitive uh, on the wholesale market. So hang tight. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Danger in the Snow by Snowmine on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Keep it locked for more from the Farm Report. Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. 
All right, we are back. You've tuned into the Heritage Radio Network. You're listening to the Farm Report. I'm your host, Aaron Fairbanks, and we are on the line with Olivia Blanche Flower of Grun YC's Green Market Co. Talking about wholesale distribution of regional products uh, from the New York State area. Olivia, so I'm curious uh, when Green Market and Grun YC decided to take on this project. Uh, where did some of the initial kind of funding? come from and uh you know was the uptake on that uh, pretty easy or was it kind of a challenge um to get to kind of get things going if you can give us a sense of uh the the scope of that process uh yeah we were we were actually really fortunate to have um the support of a number of private foundations who have a we have a history um of working with them and and as i said earlier the wholesale distribution has kind of been in the works for a while, um, and it was just a matter of, of finding the right time um, and putting in the initial research and being able to push the button. So we um, put together a business plan and shopped it around to um, a few uh, foundations, and we received startup money from the Doris Duke Foundation, the New World Foundation, and uh, the Deutsche Bank Foundation um, to kind of get us off the ground um, mostly pay our staff and um, take care of our initial infrastructure needs, like renting trucks and buying pallet wrap and hand trucks and all the little things that kind of go into getting a business like this off the ground. And, you know, also, as I mentioned earlier, City Harvest um, made a contribution of of in-kind warehouse space, which was really huge for us, Um, you know, being in New York where real estate is some of the most expensive in the country. Yeah, and is the I mean I'm assuming that the goal for the for the project is to be kind of self-sustaining, self-funded or or maybe not. Yeah, I mean that that is um you know that that is a goal. Um I think that when we first started, you know, you start out with a business plan and everything looks very nice and neat on paper, and then you start actually doing it, and some of your assumptions change. So um, what we found is that we can um, we can be self-sustaining if we can raise funds to buy some permanent infrastructure like buying a distribution facility that would enable us to um, – not be shelling out so much in rent and also to incubate other uh, local food businesses there and truly become a food hub. Excellent. That makes sense. Now, what about from, uh, you know, uh, the, your, your client's perspective with regards to being competitive on price? I mean, obviously it sounds like, you know, you're offering some, some added values with regards to, you know, the transparency and sourcing the, you know, regionally sourced products, um, Sounds like too there may be a freshman a freshness component that plays into things that's an added value. Um, how how do your prices compare to other wholesalers if we're looking kind of apples to apples or carrots to carrots? What's the uh, kind of scope of that landscape? Sure, um, it de- it does depend on the product. Um, certain things in the height of the season um, were competitive; others were not. Um, last year, for example, was a, you know a pretty poor apple crop, and so um, our apples were were fairly expensive. Um, but this year, the apple crop has been great, and we're seeing really competitive apple prices. Um, in other in other situations, last year, um, I remember there was a situation where there was um, it was either a late corn harvest in Georgia or a, a poor corn harvest, 
and we saw New York corn being more competitive than um, corn from the South, which, you know, surprised even me. But just that really showed the importance of having um, a resilient local food system because, you know, if we always plan on getting um, products from other regions of the states or of the world, when those when something happens in those regions, it's, it's really important for us to have um, something to fall back on. And as far as the um, pricing aspect of it goes, the farmers that we're working with, um, they are wholesalers. They have been wholesaling. Um, that's been their business plan for many, many years. So they know what they're doing. Most of our, most of our farmers sell to um, supermarket chains upstate, um, some that are fairly well-known. They sell to um, restaurants in their own area and have other wholesale clients. So they're pretty savvy. It's, it's not, you know, occasionally we have worked with farmers who were just starting up who had certain specialized products, and, you know, we would get lacinato kale in a banana box or something like that. But for the most part, um, you know, we represent a, a decent but small percentage of some of these wholesalers' business. You know, we hope to grow, but um, for the time being, they're really helping us as much as, as we are helping them because they're educating us a lot about um, packaging norms and just the nature of the wholesale business in general. I don't, I'm curious, like, where, uh, I always wonder, like, where the, the information and how the information comes in to a group like yours that, you know, corn harvest in Georgia isn't, you know, going great. Um, like, is the, I, I imagine there's some kind of, like, produce ticker that's, you know, shooting off information somewhere. I mean, is that something that, like, people are kind of fascinated in, in following these things? Where should we be looking to kind of keep the finger on the pulse to that? Or how are... How's that information coming into your team? Well, I will say I, you know, there are a few um, produce blogs that I read, but I get most of my information like that from the farmers themselves because it's it's their livelihood that's based on this information, so they follow it pretty darn closely. And a lot of them are working with brokers and other larger buyers um, who sort of funnel that information to them. Um, so they really... They, they give us most of the gossip, but um, I have also I also read the produce news. There's um, the perishable pundit, which is um, fun to read. But it's in terms of local stuff specifically, um, we usually get a lot of that news from the farmers. Now I know you know when when uh, you're at I, I guess let me start again. So. In the kind of landscape of discussions with regards to kind of undergirding and growing the local food movement, the regional food movement, you know, distribution is one of those hot topics that comes up and, and people are constantly kind of harping on the fact that, oh, the distribution lines aren't there, the networks aren't there. That's like the space we need to be um, putting energy into developing, you know, creative ways to support, uh, you know, medium scale, small scale, large scale, you know, regional farmers. And I'm curious for folks out there who are kind of young students, uh, young people interested in engaging in the food movement, you know, what are the resources that an organization like yours is looking for? What's the skill set people should be looking to develop? I mean, this seems like a really powerful way to, to get engaged in affecting real change. And I'm wondering if there are things that have jumped out to you over the last year where you're like, man, I wish I was, you know, better at this, or we would could really use someone who knew how to do this. I mean, what is kind of like the workforce development aspects that we should be keeping our eyes tuned to? Um, it, it's funny because, 
identifying people to work as a part of this team has been really challenging just because of the sort of mix of skills that we're really looking for, um, especially working in our warehouse, uh, finding people who have knowledge of fresh produce and also knowledge of warehouse operations and also are willing to start work at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, that that has been challenging. Um, and also, I we see a lot of, um, I meet a lot of people um, who study food systems in, in sort of a broad sense, but um, there does not seem to be so much information out there about wholesale um, distribution chains. And it's really, be, it's because it's not, until very, very recently, this was not such a sexy topic. So translating it in any way to, um, you know, something a little bit more mainstream or something that's even very easily absorbed without, you know, going to a terminal market at 2 in the morning or, you know, working in a packing house or something like that. It, it's kind of tough to get a handle on um, that information because this is work that has, you know, literally taken place in the middle of the night um, for a very long time, and it's it's really only recently that people have even started to... Um, to wonder about it. So I think um, as far as uh, sort of the new crop of, of um, people working in this field, I think, um, you know, studying the, the theory and, and, and how it all works and the economics of it is um, obviously wonderful and extremely important, and um, we need to know that. But it's, it's really like the, the basic day-to-day um, supply chain management and, you know, getting stuff from A to B, that um, that's where we're seeing the biggest learning curve. And, I mean, myself included, um, you, you should see me drive a forklift. It's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you probably look a lot like uh, my first couple of passes on the tractor. <laughs> um, you're, you definitely realize quickly how incredibly slow you are. I, I gained a lot of respect for the guys I was working with uh, yeah. up at the farm very quickly once I was behind the wheel. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, if folks want to find out more uh, about the work you guys are doing, we should direct them to www.grownyc.org backslash wholesale. Um, anything else that uh, we want to throw in here as far as things that are coming up or ways that people should reach out if they want to learn more or get involved in your work? Um, I will actually correct you on the um, web address. It's oh, great. Uh, grownyc.org slash green market co. We ah. Wholesale is for our wholesale green market. Um, I would also encourage people to check that out. Um, that's a really great way of, um, you know, kind of getting – it's a great first – step into the wholesale business. Those guys have been um, doing direct wholesale out of their trucks for ages and sort of the last bastion of, of guys that are doing that. And they're, they're located in um, the Hunts Point area uh, right near the Jetro at 149th Street. And um, the address is on our, our webpage. Awesome. But for Co. Backslash co, Green Market Co. Green Market Co. Exactly. I was on the wrong webpage. My apologies. <laughs> Thanks again, Olivia. Thanks for tuning in and, and being you. available for the interview. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. This, like all 30 of our live weekly shows, are available for free. Um, visit our website, www.heritageradionetwork.org. 
Uh, if you like what you hear, we hope you'll consider becoming a member today by clicking that donate tab. At the $120 level, we'd love to send you one of our brand new totes. It can be the envy of kohlrabi carrying moms and dads everywhere. Uh, stay tuned next week for another episode of The Farm Report. We'll be on the line with the uh, homesteaders of America, big award winners in the homesteading movement. So tune in next Thursday at 1 o'clock to hear more. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Today's program has been brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm, the first cheesemaking co-op in Vermont. For more information, visit www.considerbardwellfarm.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. What's hot at the green market? You're about to find out now. It's the Grow NYC Market Update. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Grow NYC Market Update. We are on the line with Jean Hodesh of New York City's Green Markets, and we are taking a little trip today where we're heading. Hi, Erin. So I thought that in honor of September 11th and remembering how strong our lower Manhattan community is, that today we would head down to Manhattan Southern Tip to what we like to call our commuter markets. Um, so those are the Staten Island Ferry, the Bowling Green, and the Downtown Path Train Green Markets. And as you can imagine, many thousands of people pass through these major transportation hubs on their regular commute to and from work. They are uh, saying that 60,000 people a day ride the Staten Island Ferry alone. So that's like an amazing number of people to pass by. And Green Market is happy to be there when they head into work, offering all sorts of locally grown food to regulars and also introducing all the tourists that come through um, to what the region has to offer when they stop by and they're on their way to destinations like the Statue of Liberty and, and Ellis Island. Awesome. So who are the kind of producers or farmers that we should be looking for? Sure. So I'll start with the downtown Path Market, which is open on Tuesdays. And commuters will find baked goods from Meredith's Bakery, like uh, homemade quiche, scones, pies, and bread. And then there's a full range of vegetables and orchard fruit from Miglarelli Farm. At Bowling Green on Tuesdays and Thursdays, shoppers will... Um, they always appreciate the vegan and, and gluten-free uh, options from uh, Body and Soul Bakery. So they've got muffins, wraps, and things you can eat at lunchtime. Uh, Jersey Farm is there offering vegetables, herbs, and fruit coming in from Hunterdon County. Um, New York State apples and other orchard fruit are available from the Orchards of Conklin and Red Jacket Orchards. And then if you have a sweet tooth, there are really outstanding pastries by Las Delicias Bakery and also fresh bread from Meredith's. And then on Tuesdays and Fridays, the Staten Island Ferry um, 
market, which is in their Whitehall terminal. It, so if you go right up to where the where you would wait to catch the ferry on um, Tuesdays and Fridays, you'll find a really beautiful setup with Wilco Orchards. They have really um, special apple cider donuts. They have apples, uh, regular cider just for drinking, and then also Remsburger maple is there, and they've got honey and maple syrup on offer. Yeah. So and also. All, all really good, like, New York State products, which is, like, nice if you're just visiting and you can take something home or have an apple on the ferry. But the other great thing about all these markets is that they're open year-round. Nice. So w- whenever you happen to be in, in the city passing through, there's a market there to meet your needs. I like that. Um, what else should folks be looking to do if they're down taking a tour of the area? Sure. So, I mean, obviously you can hop on a ferry. (laughs) Um, It's really nice to get on the Staten Island Ferry. It's free and just a beautiful way to sneak off the island for a minute and um, look back at it from afar to get out on the water. And the same goes for visiting Bowling Green. It's um, the the place where you actually catch the ferries. It's kind of right across the street from where our market is. Um, So you can go to catch the the ferry out to Ellis Island or the Statue of Liberty. And then also the Museum of the American Indian is right there. You can enjoy a market lunch in the park, um, visit Battery Urban Farm. You can stop by the Table Green Mary Cleaver's kiosks that are down there um, where you can enjoy a grass-fed hot dog or a glass of New York State wine or beer. And it's just a beautiful place to watch the sunset. Hmm, sounds lovely. Well, um, after checking those markets out, uh, if we have time in our weekly schedule, I know you guys always got tons of stuff going on. So what should we be uh, putting on the calendar for this coming week? So this Saturday at Union Square from 10 to 2, we have the author Hiroko Shimbo. She's going to be signing copies of her great cookbook, Hiroko's American Kitchen, and she'll also be doing a cooking demo. So she's... um, really lovely. If uh, if you've met her before, definitely come by and say hello. And then over in Brooklyn at Grand Army Plaza, we have um, also on Saturday from 10 to 1, Rick Field from Rick's Picks, the famous pickle company that sells at market. He'll be doing a cooking demonstration. Um, and then on Sunday in the East Village, we have our annual salsa off at Tompkins Square Green Market. So if you think you've got a really great homemade salsa recipe, bring it by, and um, there will be some judges and tasting and um, prizes. And then next Saturday at Union Square, September 21st, we're having Rainforest Alliance come in to do a big event at the Union Square Pavilion. So there are going to be some guest chefs from Tocqueville and Telepan. They're going to be talking about food and sustainability. Um, So there will be giveaways and contests, and um, you can learn about Rainforest Alliance, which does really great work. Man, always so many great things. Well, Jean, thank you for taking some time out to give us the update. Thanks a lot. For folks who want to find out more, uh, definitely check out www.grownyc.org backslash markets. There you can get info on cooking demos, book signings, giveaways, everything happening weekly at the market. Also find them on your favorite social media stream, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, wh- whatever floats your boat. They've got tons of beautiful pictures and also the latest updates on what's happening at the city's green markets. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Grow NYC Market Update. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website 
or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.